Good morning, everybody. How we doing? Doing all right? Come on, it is good to see all of you. Got a great crowd today. Come on, I am excited to, uh, to be able to continue our series, What Do You Believe? Today, week, I don't even know because we started it back in February and then we stopped it because of COVID and now we started it again. So it's like a hybrid of week, like, I don't know, eight and also three at the same time. So, uh, so we're excited about that today. Uh, if it is your first time here, uh, my name is Jordan and I'm the lead pastor here at Northwood Church. And so we're excited that you're with us today. We are one church, four locations. I do wanna give a shout out to Ocean Springs. Hello, y'all, how you doing? Excited that you're with us, yes. And um, I do wanna shout out Pastor Steven. He has been killing it. He is our, our uh, Ocean Springs location pastor and uh, he's been doing a great job. I love uh, Pastor Steven and uh, Amy's heart. Uh, come on, look, they, they've got three wonderful kids and uh, come on, y'all know how it is when you got young kids, you got a lot going on. And so, uh, so they are killing it, doing a great job. We love you guys and excited that y'all are able to gather together in Ocean Springs Civic Center. It's gonna be a good time. And so, so with that one thing before I jump into the message today, um, each week, we, um, many of you, you're, you're faithful in your giving, giving of your, your time, your talents, and your treasures, your money. And so uh, what we like to do is make sure that you know where your money is going and what it's doing all over the world. Uh, and I literally mean all over the world. It's not just money that just keeps the lights on here, okay? Although lights are important, okay? It'd be kind of weird if it was no lights, you wouldn't be able to see anything, it'd be awkward. But what we do is we give to many organizations all over the world to help advance the kingdom of God in many different ways, uh, one of which is the Surge Project, and they plant churches all over the world. Now, it might not be churches like this, a building and where a bunch of people come. Sometimes a church is 10 people on the side of a mountain, okay? And so, but they, they plant churches. Actually, this year, they've planted 185 churches uh, through a different initiative that they're doing right now. And so, yeah, it's been incredible. So we were able to give $6,000 to search, uh, search to plant two churches in Indonesia and Mozambique. And so, come on, we are part of planting two churches this week, $6,000. Um, and so they're continuing to do a great work. We've been partnered with Surge for, I don't know, 25, 20, 28 years, been, been partnered with Surge. And Pastor Larry Stocksill was the founder of Surge. And um, so it, it's, a, it's an incredible organization, uh, high amounts of integrity and character. And we can trust that where the money goes, it's being spent well. And so, uh, so we're a part of that. Uh, we're a part of many different things that we do all, all, all throughout the week. Every month we plant, or I'm sorry, we support uh, multiple local organizations here in South Mississippi as well. Um, with the, the hurricanes that have happened this past week, the hurricane in Florida, Alabama, Florida uh, line, uh, we are already in contact with the church there, Liberty Church, uh, Pastor Josh Limscombe. And, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of damage, obviously. Um, it was one of those storms that it's kind of like, eh, you know, and then all of a sudden it hits and it's, it's devastating. And so we're praying for, for the churches and the people there in those areas, but also we're able to, because of your faithful giving, uh, be able to just send money and supplies to people immediately, right? No hesitation. And so, so thank you for doing that. Uh, but let's shift gears. Let's shift gears. What do you believe? Uh, just to kind of set a little bit of a, uh, I guess, a precedent of, of what we're doing. We started this series in February. And it's really just called, what do you believe? Um, a lot of us, we, we, we believe something, but a lot of times we don't know why we believe what we believe. 
So we have this concept, but it's vague, and maybe we haven't really talked through it. Um, I grew up in church, Sunday school, flannel graph, you know, the whole nine yards. Uh, man, we're, I mean, we were in church whenever we had transparencies. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, the light that shines the lyrics on the wall behind you, and somebody like does the, I don't know if many of you grew up in that church, but that's what we, that's what we used to do. And um, so, so a lot of things I heard my whole life. I mean, I could recite scriptures, the whole nine yards, but I didn't have like this, this logical, reasonable type of approach to why I believe what I believe. And everybody's different. I think there's left brain thinkers and right brain thinkers. Some people are, are kind of lean more to experience. Some people lean more to, to like intellect and how does this make sense? And so I believe it's both and not either or. And so this series is kind of dedicated to helping us as Christians know why we believe what we believe. But it's also, uh, it's, it, the, the series is, is kind of structured in a way that if you were sitting across the table from somebody who's an unbeliever, maybe they're even an atheist, that you would be able to walk methodically through this conversation with that person. So with that, we have every message on YouTube in a playlist called what, uh, what Do You Believe? And you can go back to the beginning of the series and watch every single week to see how we've gotten where we are. So today is a good message and standalone. It's gonna be wonderful. However, if you missed all the other, whatever, six or seven uh, uh, messages, this by itself, it's good, but man, with everything else attached, it's even better. So I wanna encourage you, if you haven't seen any of those other messages, go back, put it on YouTube, get it in your car. You know, you can, here's the deal. You can even speed it up. So it won't take you as long to listen to all the messages as it does to sit and listen. Now, keep coming. Keep watching. Come on, guys. But at the same time, you can, uh, you can listen to a podcast and, and kind of get it uh, all. How many of you try to do like the two times speed, right? The two times speed where like you, you missed what they said after, if you missed like five seconds, it was like 25 seconds and you have to like do the whole like go back 15 seconds thing. Just me, okay. Yeah. So, but, uh, but excited about today. The last two weeks in this series, we talked about what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about God in the first month? What do you believe about Jesus? And so we've been looking back at the claims that Jesus made about himself. We talked about how Jesus claimed to be God and also how Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. And last week we talked about the Messiah, an incredible message uh, about who Jesus claimed to be, but we ended it by saying Jesus didn't just claim to be the Messiah, he is the Messiah, the anointed one, the holy one, promised through going back into the Bible from the beginning, Genesis chapter three, that there would come someone who would, who would uh, uh, restore what was broken through sin. And so today we continue this conversation. The next two weeks in this sermon, though, we're going to talk about how Jesus is our high priest and how he is also our king. And uh, I want to read out of Zechariah 6.13. It says this, it is he, the Messiah, the anointed one, uh, who shall build the temple of the Lord and shall bear royal honor and shall sit and rule on his throne. And there shall be, and that was talking about the king, okay? Uh, and, then, and there shall be a priest on his throne. And the council of peace shall be between them both. And so let me read this little excerpt kind of explaining that verse and also kind of setting us up for today and also next week. This vision is about the Messiah who would be both the king and priest. After the exile, Judah's government was to be ruled by two distinct persons, the king ruling the nation's political life and the high priest ruling its religious life. Kings and priests had often been corrupt. 
God was telling Zechariah that someone worthy of the crown would come to rule as both king and priest. Okay, it's a big deal. And it also does kind of help us make sense of even last week, why people had this certain uh, uh, expectation of what this Messiah would look like, that he would be a king. And so they had this certain concept about what a king would look like. And so they're holding to that. But remember, we've talked about this, how God's initial plan wasn't to have a king, a physical king over Israel. His plan was that he would be the king. And so Israel's like, no, we want, we want our own king. And so they got their own king and they also got every king after that and all the issues that came with those kings as well. And so, so it's two things, king and priest. So today let's talk about how Jesus is our high priest. That's what we're talking about today. And for some of you, you're connecting already with what that means. You know what the word of God says about Jesus as our high priest and you're already going through the scriptures and all the concepts. But for some of you, this might be the first time you've heard it and you don't understand the significance of it. But it's very, very significant, very significant. So I hope that, that by the time that we leave today, you understand why. And it, it, it strengthens your understanding of the word of God. It strengthens the way that you even worship. It gives you confidence and boldness as a believer. Uh, that's what these concepts or these beliefs do. They, they strengthen uh, our walk with God. And so Jesus is our high priest. So in the Old Testament, there were men who were designated uh, or anointed to be mediators between God and man. And these, these were called priests, okay? And so they were kind of like the middleman, okay? They would offer sacrifices and prayers on behalf of the people, the Israelites. And so there was one high priest who was anointed, uh, one priest who was anointed as high priest. He was sort of the main guy. He was the, the big wig. He was the person that would, uh, that, that, that would manage all of the other priests. And so he's the supreme religious leader of the Israelites. And because the high priest held the leadership position, one of his roles was overseeing all the responsibilities of the other priests and make sure everything's, you know, on the up and up. Now, we're going to use a lot of scriptures from the book of Hebrews. And uh, if you've never read the book of Hebrews, I'd highly, uh, maybe this would be a good week to just every day take a chapter and begin to walk through the book of Hebrews, because we're going to be talking a lot about Hebrews. Uh, but at the same time, it's so helpful to be able to just stop and read the entire book at one setting. We're not going to do that today. Although that might be all we need to do. You should sit here, just read the whole book and then pray and go home. All right, because uh, I believe the word speaks for itself. But Hebrews chapter three, verse one says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. I think that lines up with what Tom was just saying, fixing our eyes, our, our affections, our focus upon the person and the work of Jesus and not getting our eyes off of that onto ourselves. And so we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus as our high priest. Now, I want to read a, a, a quote from a theologian named Louis Burkhoff. He says, the modern spirit, and he's talking about the modern spirit of theology, is quite averse to the official Christ. And while it may, may be uh, greatly in love with the self-denying and self-sacrificing Jesus, it absolutely refuses to recognize its official priesthood. In view of this, it should be emphasized at the outset that according to scripture, Jesus is a real priest as over against the priests of the Old Testament who, merely, who were merely shadows and types. He may be called the only real priest. And I would say this, not only is the, he the only real priest, he's the only necessary priest. You don't need a priest. 
You don't need someone nowadays to mediate between you and God to offer prayers on your, your behalf. And we're gonna learn why today. But let's talk through three functions of the high priest, uh, Jesus as our high priest. Number one is this. Jesus offered the perfect sacrifice for our sin. Jesus as our high priest, he has offered the perfect sacrifice for our sin. In the Old Testament, this is an excerpt from Wayne Grudem. In the Old Testament, the priests were appointed by God to offer sacrifices. They also offered prayers and praise to God on behalf of the people. In doing so, they sanctified the people or made them acceptable to God, and, uh, accept, acceptable to come into God's presence, albeit in a limited way uh, during the Old Testament period. So why is this significant? Well, we talk about this every single week and I hope that you don't get bored with it because it's sort of an important message, but, but everything was created good. God created it perfect. It was in order. It was ideal and sin entered into the equation and broke, perverted, distorted the creation that God had, had created. And so from that point, uh, the, the relationship, the intimacy between God and man was broken. And that's actually one of the lesser talked about uh, topics, which is, is intimacy between God and man. Closeness, nearness between God and man was, was separated. And not only between God and man, but between people. That's why to think that people can be united and come together apart from Jesus, apart from the presence of God, apart from the pathway that was created is actually just this utopian mindset um, that, that we think that we can accomplish something that only God can accomplish. Only God can actually unite humanity. Sin is what broke it. God is, has the answer for sin, right? And so therefore that's the, only, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, intimacy has been broken. And so we need to, for that, that intimacy to be restored. So a payment for the people's sin, uh, a sacrifice was needed in order to sanctify them before God. All right, so biblical definition of sacrifice is the offering up of something precious for a cause or a reason. And the first time that we see a sacrifice is when Adam and Eve sinned, uh, there was an animal that was killed and the skin of that animal was taken and clothed the nakedness, covered Adam and, Adam and Eve. Uh, for the first time, they realized that they were naked. All right, that must've been a, a weird moment, but you know, boom, there it is. And they're, 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 they're embarrassed, they're shame. And so God takes care of it. He covers their nakedness. It's the first time that we see a sacrifice to cover the shame and the guilt that mankind uh, was now aware of. That sacrifice is an atonement. Okay, it's an atonement. Now, now stick with me here. An, an atonement is to cover an offense, a substitutionary act. That's what atonement is. And Jesus' death is the atonement for all of sin. Not just one sin. Jesus doesn't have to continually come back and die over and over to cover sin. He has covered by his death. He has atoned for all sin, past, present, and future the sins that you commit and also the sin that we have inherited. All right, he died for it all. The cross was retroactively, you know, he died for sins retroactively and proactively, all of it. This is great news, by the way. He's the perfect sacrifice. So his atonement, and this is something that a lot of people, again, don't like to talk about here. His atonement satisfied the wrath or the consequence of God's judgment on sin. This word that kind of sums up this thought is propitiation. Did you guys know that God can't stand sin? Did you guys know that? Like, like it is a verse, it's opposite than his nature. 
And so because of that, there is, there is wrath, okay? There, there is this rejection of sin. And so sin has a price that has to be paid in God's eyes. And the only price that, that would cover that is blood, is blood. There had to be a blood sacrifice. And so for a lot of people, this is where it kind of starts getting weird. Talk about the sacrificial system. But this is in the word of God. I'd encourage you to go read the book of Leviticus. That's a real fun book for you to read, by the way. <laughs> kind of strange. Um, but there's actually beauty in the book if you could see it, not from just the long lobe of the liver, liver, you know what I'm saying? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you haven't read the book of Leviticus. There's a whole lot of long lobes in there. And, um, but there's a purpose to it. There's, there's a method to the madness that we see. But overall, it's God giving us a way to atone for the sin. And, and you know, now we're in a little bit different timeline, but in that time, this is exactly what it was. So I want to take you on a little bit of a scriptural journey, all right? We're going to take certain scriptures and port, sort of piece them together in a storyline to help us understand this concept. Hebrews 2, 17, therefore he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation, again, appeasement of God's wrath, for the sins of the people. Therefore, Romans chapter eight, verse one says, because of that, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through, through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, let's just all say that for many of us, us, that when we read scriptures like that and you read them in normal speed, about halfway through, you're like, wait, what? Slow down, back up. Uh, what? And uh, actually, we went through the book of Romans last year, and we specifically went through some of these scriptures and broke them down. Again, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the beginning of last year in, in the book of Romans. But to kind of paraphrase what he just said, the law code, the law that was given to man, the law code, weakened as it always was by fractured human nature, could never have done that. It could never have actually taken the, the, uh, and fixed the problem of sin. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. The sacrificial system, the things that, were, that men were doing that God gave them to do to atone for their sin, it was always a band-aid. The blood of bulls and goats, right? It was always a band-aid. It wasn't actually getting down to the core issue, but God had a plan. Hebrews 10, 4, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Chapter 9, verse 26, but as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus' sacrifice was the complete sacrifice. His sacrifice fulfilled and, and atoned for, again, all the sin of mankind. He was the complete and final sacrifice. So Jesus was both the sacrifice and the priest that offered the sacrifice. 
He was, if, if you remember the tabernacle and, and, and what would go on in the tabernacle, we're not doing a whole teaching today on the tabernacle, but there were, the priests had certain duties and things that they had to do. And then they would take a, a, an animal and they would kill the animal and offer the sacrifice. And it was a pleasing aroma to God. Um, and so they did this, but, but Jesus not only was the priest who was performing and doing the sacrifice, okay? He himself was the sacrifice at the same time. If you actually study the tabernacle, you'll see Jesus all throughout it at every single point. And it's a beautiful story, but it, it takes a little bit more time than the, than the three-minute read of the version verse of the day, right? <laughs> Which is good. It's good. That's much better than nothing, okay? Don't get me wrong about that. However, there are certain concepts in the word of God that are a little bit deeper than that. You gotta, you gotta kinda, you know, gotta push the envelope a little bit. So number one, Jesus offered the perfect sacrifice for our sin. He was sinless, perfection, perfect, lived perfectly, and he died. The Bible says he took on and became sin for us. He died in the flesh for our sin, but he was the perfect sacrifice. Number two, Jesus as priest continually brings us near to God. Now remember, sin broke the intimacy between God and man. And so Jesus came to restore that brokenness. The heart of God is for us to be near to him, to re restore this. And if you look in scripture, you'll see all throughout it, you'll actually see that the sacrificial system, the tabernacle, all of these things were put in place so God could live among his people. I think one of the most powerful things that you could see the heart of God in is whenever the Israelites were in Egypt and they are, uh, uh, God's heart was revealed and why he wanted them to come out of Egypt was so they could go into the wilderness and worship him and be near him. The whole tabernacle was so that his presence could come down and be in the midst of the people. God's desire was not that he would be separate and, and almost like some of us think about like God, like he's this, this detached being force that, that doesn't desire or he's looking down upon us like, hmm. No, that's not God's heart. Not when you read scripture. You see the opposite. And even the things in the word of God that look like, you know, violence for people. A lot of times they see people, God as, as this violent, hateful God. They're, they're reading it from the wrong angle. He's not. He is love. It's his nature. It's who he is. And he cannot do something that is different than his nature. So he continually brings us back to God. I think it's important to know that, that even Jesus, his name, Emmanuel, God with us. I think God was trying to make a point, right? So how does Jesus bring us near to God? Well, again, the tabernacle was the place where the priests would, would uh, do their sacrificing and their prayers. And there was a place in their tabernacle that was called the Holy of Holies. And so there's different compartments and in, in um, compartments and also uh, uh, things all throughout the, the, the tabernacle. And so there was an out, there was our outer courts, inner courts. There was the, the, the holy place. And then there was the most holy place, the Holy of Holies. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. And, and uh, uh, side note, if you, if you touch the Ark of the Covenant, you died. If you were not supposed to be touching the Ark of the Covenant, uh, signifying the, the holiness of God, the, 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 the idea that sin cannot come in contact with a holy God without sin dying, or the person that's carrying that sin, which would be us, right? And uh, which again is the beauty of this message today. So how does Jesus do this? Well, there was a place in, again, in the, the tabernacle called the Holy of Holies, and it was separated by this thick veil. 
And only one time a year could a high priest go into the very presence of God in order to, on the day of atonement, which I believe is, is Leviticus uh, 16, chapter 16, really depicts uh, the day of atonement and all of the things that the priest had to do. But, but in this chapter, you'll see the, the reverence and the protocol that was put in place so that the high priest could offer sacrifices in order to atone for the sin of the Israelites once a year. And they had to do it every year. And this was God's command to them. And so when Jesus died, and this is a beautiful moment in scripture that a lot of times if you're reading it and you don't know what it means, then it's kind of like, why did they put that in there? When Jesus died, the veil in the temple was torn in two. It's ripped top to bottom. And there wasn't a person who snuck in and did that. Plus the, 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 the cloth was so thick that you couldn't, you know, like back in the day, you remember Strike Force? How many of you guys remember the, anybody remember the muscle team? What was they called, Strike Force? There was another one. The power team, I don't know. The guys would rip the phone books in half at church and be like, oh, I can do all things. <laughs> now, are they still a thing? Are they, anybody? Nobody knows. All right, anyway, <laughs> kind of went away. Kind of like Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flame, the old play back in the day. I got saved every time that I saw that play. <laughs> you had to. It was the only correct answer. The demons come out and, you know, and they grab the people and pull them. I mean, it's just like, I'm getting saved again. Just to make sure, man. But um, I don't know how I got there and I don't know how I'm going to get back. So uh, <laughs> the, veil, the veil, oh, it's strength. Um, so a person didn't rip the veil, man. It, it wasn't that type of thing. It was the spirit of God that, was, that would rip the veil and, and, be, and, and shows a significant path that was then created through the body of Jesus being torn and broken, all right, to give us access to the presence of God, to the very presence of God. It's beautiful. This is our hope. This is, this is what we sing about. The last song that we sang, man, specifically is speaking about these things right here. Hebrews 10, verse 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the, the holy place by the blood of Jesus, okay, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let it, y'all felt like now that you had all of those things that we just talked about, how that verse actually, it kind of meant something more than just get to the punchline of the verse. You know, you, you saw, let us draw near. Because of all that, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus accomplished this. He went, he was the forerunner. He went into a place that we could not go and accomplished something that we could not accomplish. There's this picture about our hope being anchored in Jesus. And it's this, uh, this picture of a small boat. Like say this, there's this big boat and it's kind of going through some treacherous waterways. And this little boat would kind of go through those difficult areas and go and tie that big ship to that rock or a place. And then they would be able to guide the bigger ship through those, those treacherous waters, right? 
Like that's what Jesus did. He went in and he anchored ourselves to God. And now we can draw near because of what he has done. There's many different ways to kind of approach this. But at the end of the day, it's that Jesus restored our connection to our God. And now we might live in this tension again of this already but not yet, because we are, we are seated in heavenly places. Like we're, we're, we're in Christ, so therefore we're, we're in eternity right now, right? We're, we're seated with him. However, we still have our feet on this dirt ball of dirt, right? <laughs> we're still here. So there's some tension in this conversation. However, again, we know what Jesus has done for us. And so you need to know that you're able to, to enter the presence of God because Jesus is your high priest. He's the mediator between you and God. The third thing is that Jesus as priest continually prays for us, continually prays for us. One of the other priestly functions in the Old Testament was to pray on behalf of the people. So Hebrew tells us that Jesus also does this in chapter seven, verse 25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Intercession is to, to stand as someone's representative before another person while making specific requests or petitions. And this is what Jesus does, the right hand of the Father, for us. That means if you, you miss a day of prayer, Jesus doesn't, right? That means like even, even whenever you don't know what to pray, have you ever been there where you literally just don't even know what to pray? I've been there thousands of times. Literally, and sometimes I just say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, I need you, Jesus. I, I need your perspective. I need your wisdom. I need your power. I need, I need something, <laughs> right? And I don't even know what it is right now, but I know that you are the way. I know that you are the truth. I know that you are the life. And so I'm throwing myself at your feet. He makes intercession for us on our behalf at the throne of God. Amen. So as high priest, Jesus lives in the presence of God and makes requests and petitions to God for us. And again, therefore, you don't need an earthly priest. I want to help some of you with that, because depending how you were raised up, you feel like there is basically there's a concept that you must have somebody that sort of knows better than you do. OK, that 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 I don't know that that can pray better than you. Some people feel that the pastor is still that person who can pray. Like there's pastor's prayers and then there's everybody else's prayers. That's not a real thing, okay? Like that's, like somebody might be able to kind of word it better, but it doesn't mean that the heart of that prayer is any more meaningful. Okay, so if you feel like you need someone to always pray on your behalf, like an actual person, I just wanna help you just get released from that, man. Like, like Jesus is that person who is praying for you, okay? And you can go directly to him. You don't have to come to a person. Now, there is power in agreement. I believe, man, man, we come together on first Wednesday nights and we have prayer and worship, incredible nights where we agree with one another. Maybe we even get together and pray over one another and, and believe God to do great things. So there is both and. I don't believe that, I believe there's power in corporate prayer. 
However, you can pray to God and you don't have to wait for a Sunday morning for that to happen. Right? And you also don't have to have somebody else, uh, you know, you don't have to confess to someone and then for them go to God and ask for your forgiveness. Like that Jesus bypassed all that. Like Old Testament, yes. New Testament, no. It's beautiful. It's great. And so be encouraged in that. Be encouraged that whenever you pray, when you confess, and when you, when you, when you go to God humbly with a broken and a contrite heart, he hears you. He sees you. He knows you. And you are, uh, through Jesus, you're in the very presence of God. It's incredible, huh? And I don't know how many people really believe that. I don't know how many people really like, I believe that. Like, I know what you're saying that the Bible says that, but man, that kind of seems like I can't quite figure it out. And that's where we get into this whole thing of I think Tommy even just said this. There's some things that are just not going to always make complete sense, right? Like 100%. But I believe that there is revelation that whenever, like as believers, and this is where I would encourage you believers to be in the word of God, to be in spiritual conversations. For some of you, like honestly, for some of you, Sunday mornings is the only time that you are ever in a place where you're actually in, having a some sort of spiritual conversation, some sort of, sort of word-based conversation. And can I just help you out? That, that is a very unhealthy place to be. So we have small groups here at Northwood Church, smaller groups of people who meet throughout the week. And we have conversations. Some of them do conversations about, um, it's conversations about what we preach on on Sunday mornings. Some of them are in freedom groups. We have different, a couple different lanes. But one thing that those those groups are in place to do is to, yeah, help you build relationships with people because a lot of you, man, you don't even know anybody here. Like you show up and it is kind of difficult in COVID. It's a little bit different season. However, this is temporary. This is temporary, all right? Like, like all right? Just, we got to keep that out there. Like, this is not permanent, okay? But it's also to have conversations that are, are meaningful and a little bit deeper than just, hey, man, what'd you barbecue this past weekend? You know, I, or whatever. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like, like people that can talk for hours about football, but man, you bring up Jesus and it's like, <laughs> there's no conversation, man. How about we, we engage in that? And you know what happens whenever we talk through these things? I don't know about you, but it encourages my soul. A few weeks ago, I think it was two, two Tuesday nights ago. Um, we have an online group on, on Tuesday nights with some people. And um, honestly, I'm going to be real with you. It was like that 30 minutes before group. And uh, I was tired. And I honestly just wanted to finish my nap. It was one of those nights. You know what I'm talking about. And I was like, oh, man, can I come up with an excuse for us not to meet tonight? Hey, guys, I think I might have a sore throat. You know, I don't know. It's a virtual group, so that doesn't matter, right? It's online. But I don't know, man. I just... So anyway, so I, all right, here we go, here we go. Start the group, 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in. I'm like, okay, hey, we're good, we're good. We get into the lesson, and, and, and then we start having some conversations. I'm talking real conversations. And by the end of that group, I know the guys in the group were encouraged, but I'm gonna be honest, I was probably more encouraged than they were. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because we began to talk about things that mattered, Things that matter. We begin to read scripture and discuss those things and our faith was encouraged. We were challenged, we were convicted, we prayed for one another. And I say all that to say, 
if Sunday mornings is the only time that you're engaging in conversations and these thoughts and reading scripture and learning about the word of God, that, that you're probably living a, a spiritually malnourished life. It's weak. Come on, y'all know what it is whenever you haven't eaten all day and you go, out, you go outside to do some landscaping and all of a sudden, like you got this tunnel thing that starts happening, starts closing in on you, you know? Nadine, my wife knows me really well. She's like, you know, are you, are you starting, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. She's like, you need a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm like, yes, I do. I'm about to pass out, you know? <laughs> Get me something, man. And for some of you, can I just be real? By Saturday night, you got tunnel vision in your walk with God. You're on the edge of passing out and you get, you get to church and I got a little peanut butter and jelly sandwich for you, right? And, and, you, and you eat it and you're like, oh, perspective. Okay, Jesus is still king. Okay. And then you go out and then it's like you're limping through the week. If I could just get to Sunday. Hey guys, listen, there's this thing called the Bible. And if you read it, like, you can have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day, okay? I mean, we're putting the cookies on the bottom shelf today, y'all, okay? <laughs> I want to encourage you in that. Read the word of God. Pray. Seek God. And you know, he's faithful. He reveals himself to us. He speaks to you. It might not be this earth-shattering Shekinah glory moment where a cloud comes into your bedroom and shakes your bed and you're like, oh, Jesus is here, literally. <laughs> right? It might not be that. But man, whenever you get that nugget, come on, y'all, you're reading the Bible and you get that nugget and it's like, yes, I'm encouraged today. That's what we're talking about. I want to wrap up with the scripture, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Come on, y'all, he was tempted. Just like you were a few days ago or a few hours ago, like Jesus felt that. Like, like Jesus was rejected by men. He was rejected by men. So you know how people talk about you and gossip about you? Yeah, Jesus, Jesus went through that. You know how, how maybe you were physically abused in different ways? Did you know that Jesus was beaten? Did, maybe, maybe it was sexual abuse. Did you know that Jesus hung naked on a cross and was exposed before people? He went through all of these different sufferings and he, he, he went through them gracefully with strength, with courage. He was set on his purpose. So because of these things, verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we, may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. God's mercy is available to you. His grace is available to you. It doesn't matter what you've walked into this place today with. It doesn't matter where you were 12 hours ago. It, none of those things matter. Jesus is here. He is your high priest. Whether you believe in him or not, he is available to be your high priest his sacrifice that, that, that he paid for can be accepted if you believe and you place your faith in him. That's right. You don't have to do a bunch of work. The work has already been done. 
This is the beauty of the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And I wanna give you all an opportunity today, whether you're here in Ocean Springs, watching online, to respond to what it is that God is doing in your heart and in your life. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Come on, let all distractions fall aside right now. Nobody thinking about who's next to them. Nobody's getting up and moving all around. Come on, we are, we are centered in on what it is that Jesus is speaking to us right now. For some, in this moment, you realize that you have drifted away from God. Your focus has been distracted. Your heart, like maybe you were even in a place where you really feel like you were close to God at one point. Like when I was talking about being near to God, you were like, I actually know what that is like. I know what that's like and I am not there anymore. It's been so long, but I desire to be in that place again. Maybe for some of you, you've never actually been in that place where you feel like you have this real relationship with God, like that you understand him, that you understand the word, that you, 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 whenever you think about, whenever you think about heaven, there's actually a fear that comes into place because you're like, I'm not even sure if that's really a reality for me. I wanna let you know that God's grace is sufficient for you. So right now I'm gonna pray And if you're far from God, you can repeat this prayer after me. You can pray your own prayer, but I wanna lead you in a prayer of surrender to God. Say, Jesus, here I am. Surrender to you. I thank you for the cross that you died on for me. I thank you for paying the price for my sin and my shame. And today I receive you. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior as my priest, that you have gone before me. And now, God, you've made a way for me to come back to a relationship with you. I thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We're going to wrap up and we're going to sing a song together. And what I want you to do in this time is not just to disconnect and say, okay, where are we going? Who's playing well, the NFL game? Come on, I've got 45 minutes. I got to get my lineup set on my fantasy football. Like, you know, don't go there yet, right? <laughs> 10 more minutes, okay? Less than that. The way to God has been restored through Jesus. And ultimately, the way to God has been restored, not just for this life, but for the next. Our hope is heaven. Our hope is a restored kingdom of God on this earth. Come on, y'all. That's where we're headed. That's where our hope is. And so we don't boast in ourselves, right? We boast in Jesus. Come on, let's pray and then we're gonna worship. Jesus, we thank you that you're our high priest. We thank you that you have gone before us, that you protect us, that you're with us. God, I pray that today that you help us to keep our eyes set on you, not to be distracted by what's going on in this world, not to be distracted by the people in our lives who are seeking to to come against us, no matter what it is, Father. God, I pray that in this time that you would seal this understanding, seal this revelation of who you are in our lives, that you're our priest. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on.
Amen. I was talking to uh, I was talking to someone who uh, uh, she's one of the, the folks who pray over this this room, this sanctuary, this building, and uh, our service every single week. We have a team that does that, and she said that that when they were praying, there's this a phrase that came to a lot of the, the team members, and it was turning point. And I really truly believe that, that that phrase was for some of you this morning and you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Jordan a couple minutes ago. And this is a turning point in your life where you, you, you up until this point, you've been, you've been putting things on your own shoulders and saying, I gotta get this, I gotta, I gotta achieve, I gotta do something to, to make life work for myself. And it's like, no, I got Jesus for that now. Jesus is the one who is my high priest, who has made a way so that I can come before God in freedom and, and, and in boldness and, and in hope. So if that is you this morning, if this morning is your turning point, what I want to do is I want to make myself available to you. Um, uh, just so you know, my, my name is Tom. I'm the assistant pastor here at the Gulfport campus. And one of the things that I, that I get to do every week is talk to folks who are not only new to Northwood, but folks who accepted Christ as their savior. And so what I want to do is I want to connect with, with you this week. Um, each of you got one of these blue cards in the seat pocket in front of you. If you could just really quick fill that out. Maybe you're watching online. Same thing for you. You can fill it out online at northwood.church slash next steps. What I do with those is I collect those every week and I reach out to you, whether it's through text or an email. And, and if, if you accepted Christ as your savior, what I want to do is give you your next steps and what that looks like to be um, in this family, in this, in this journey of following after Jesus. Because like Pastor Jordan was saying, it's not just about coming to church on a Sunday morning. There's so much more to it. There's so much more. And I want to help you along with that. Also, if you're new to Northwood, I want to reach out to you as well. Just welcome you. Uh, maybe there's uh, some questions you have about the church, but actually for those of you who are new, um, or maybe you've been coming here for a few months and you just still haven't quite connected to Northwood and you don't feel like there's that, that glue that's, that's sticking you to this body. Um, this morning, right after we dismiss, we have our next steps class. It's not online. Okay. Some of you have heard of we doing online. We're actually doing it in person today. Today. So myself and Pastor Jordan, we're going to be right over here on the other side of this wall. So as soon as we dismiss, just go out through these doors, hang a left. We're going to be in there. We want to meet you. And it's going to last about 30 to 40 minutes. We want to give you a little bit about what the Northwood's all about um, and how you can be a part if you'd like to. So please join us over there. If you got kids and NC kids, you can go ahead and just leave them over there. Um, I'll get your, your child's number um, once you come on over there and, and let our, our volunteers know that they're going to be hanging out for just a little bit longer. Okay, they'll give them some... Uh, uh, goldfish or something, you know, keep them happy for another half hour, okay? Um, and something else I want to let you all know about. We got an exciting night coming up in just a couple of weeks here. It's on October 2nd. It's a Friday evening. It's our night of worship, okay? It's where all, all four of our campuses are going to come together in this room, okay? In this room, and we're just going to sing loud and praise our King, all right? So space is limited. As you can imagine, all four campuses, space is limited. So there's information on the screen behind me on how you can register. We're going to be streaming online as well, but if you want to be here in person, you got to register, and you got to do it soon before all the spots are taken, all right? Um, there's one more thing. Oh, yes, last thing before I let you go. Uh, we haven't been doing this for a while because of COVID, but we do have a prayer team. I mentioned them just a second ago. They pray over the, the, the building and the service each and every Sunday morning. But also, one thing that our prayer team does, and maybe even been here since they do this, 
Um, but they, they're, they're up here at the front. We got about four or five of them that are gonna be up here at the front. If you got anything that's going on in your life right now, you just want someone to agree with you in prayer, then please just make your way up to the front as soon as we dismiss. Um, I do ask that you wear a mask when you do it. They'll all be wearing masks as well because you'll be really close together. But a few of them are coming up right now and uh, just make yourself available to them and uh, it's gonna be great. So that's all I got for you all. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you later.